We're going to have a worship experience this morning. So different than a normal week, I encourage you guys pay attention to the songs, the words, the, the interactions between the text and the, the things we do this morning. Last week, the title of my message was, Where is God? I spoke on the fact that there are very real times it feels like God is distant. And like Job described, times where it feels like God is clothed in deep, impenetrable darkness. We looked a little at Job's experience. We looked at King David's experience of searching for a God that seemed gone. We looked at Mother Teresa's journals that spoke of a 50-year darkness. And we had a chance to listen to John and Heidi share a season in their life where they felt like God was just not around. Last week was not particularly a feel-good message, but apparently it was a message that impacted people. I had several people talk to me throughout the week, whether it was in person or email or text, thanking me for painting a picture of not always perfect relationship with God. In fact, one text said this, I really enjoyed your sermon on Sunday, especially when you included the raw truth about life and that not every situation ends in flowers and roses. And questions are not always answered. I mean, if life on earth always had fairy tale endings, where would the desire for heaven be? There are times when it feels like God is distant, when it feels like he's gone altogether. Now, recognizing that, last week I gave three suggestions of what we could do during those times. I I said these are not three easy steps to solve the problem, just three suggestions of ways we can endure while it seems like God may be gone. I encourage you don't go through the season of darkness together. That was one. I encourage you to cling to the promises found in Scripture of God's nearness and also cling to your past experiences of God's nearness. And three, I I encourage you to know that Jesus experienced times where God the Father seemed distant or absent also. I finished the message by letting you know I could not promise seasons of darkness would end. They may or they may not. And I encourage you guys as we were leaving to let any uncomfortable settle in your soul that you had. And I encourage you to dive into the scriptures this past week and find God's response. And when I encouraged that searching of scriptures, I did it because I had already spent time in this week's passages. And I knew what was coming. Or at least I thought I knew what was coming. God chose to hold me accountable to my challenge to you to let the unsettled settle in our soul this past week. I came to the office Monday morning thinking I knew where I was going. I thought I knew the tone that this morning would take. And yet any time I'd begin, nothing happened. Nothing would come out. So I went back to the Lord and I waited. Ultimately, God said, you know, instead of this week's texts being an answer to last week's, which I thought it was going to be, this week's simply needs to be a continuation You need to share one more suggestion, and that suggestion will lead to a specific outcome. I already told you last week's three suggestions. This week, I believe God says the next step is simply look around. If you feel God is distant, if you feel God is absent, if you feel God is nowhere to be found, look around. And in looking around, you will be led to praise. Any of you follow the news? So if you do, 
you should have, or if you don't, you should have. This past week, you'd recognize the name Felix Baumgartner. Anybody? He's the Australian skydiver, daredevil, base jumper who set several records this past week as he jumped from a uh, spacecraft of sorts that was lifted by a helium balloon. He jumped out of this craft at a height of 128,000 feet. And on his free fall back to Earth, he reached speeds of 834 miles per hour. Wow. You guys want to know what he saw just before he jumped? Up until this last week, Spokane and the surrounding area had not had measurable rain for more than 50 days. What a great sight it was to see this. Rain. That's a picture from April. We didn't have any pictures because it rained at night. It's still a great sight. Look around, God says. When you feel like I'm gone, look around. Now maybe, in looking at the cosmos, it doesn't help your feelings that God is distant or far away. Maybe what we need to do is not look up, but look around. Look around at the planet we live on. We can look around and see in the simple events of nature, we can see God in the rain. God asked Job in Job 38, verse 34 and 35, he says, can you shout to the clouds and make it rain? Can you make lightning appear and cause it to strike as you direct? Verse 37, who is wise enough to count all the clouds? Who can tilt the water jars of heaven when the parched ground is dry and the soil has hardened into clots? Who can tilt the water jars of heaven? The answer, of course, is God. Only he can do that. He can tilt those jars. Now, for any avid outdoors person, and even those who don't like spending time outside, it's hard to deny the presence of God in the creative uniquenesses of the earth. George Washington Carver, the famous slave-turned-horticulturist, chemist, and educator at the turn of the 18th century, once wrote this. He said, reading about nature is fine, but if a person walks into the woods and listens carefully... He can learn more than what is in books. For the woods speak with the voice of God. We began to see what the psalmist said in Psalm 104 about God on the earth. And we'll continue in verse 5. It says, You place the world on its foundation so it would never be moved. You clothed the earth with floods of water, water that covered even the mountains. At your command, the water fled. At the sound of your thunder, it hurried away. Mountains rose and valleys sank to the levels you decreed. Then you set a firm boundary for the seas so they would never again cover the earth. Verse 24, O Lord, what a variety of things you have made. In wisdom, you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. The earth is full of your creatures, your mountains, your valleys, your seas, your thunder. If you feel like God is nowhere to be seen, yes, look up at the cosmos, but also simply look around. Look at the changing of the leaves, the beautiful colors that they turn. God is present. 
And when you look closely, when you pause to look around, you will see God and you will be led to praise. Maybe you've heard this whole look around you, God is all in nature and all that stuff before. Maybe you've even grown a little bit cold to it. What if we went this route? What if when you're in a season of darkness in your life with Christ, when it feels like he is absent, if looking up at the cosmos doesn't remind you of his presence, if looking around at the earth and the things he's made doesn't remind you of his presence, then don't look out that far. Simply look next to you. Or look in the mirror. God is present in you and in the people around you. They're made in the image of God. You've heard the passages before about the Holy Spirit entering people, living inside them, coming to be a comforter and a guide. Well, maybe in times of darkness, those, those verses could be explained away saying, ah, oh, but it takes so much faith. What about another question that God asked Job? Tucked in between the, the verses on nature and rain and tilting water jars, God says this, who gives intuition to the heart? An instinct to the mind. Who gives intuition to the heart and instinct to the mind? For much of this past week, I was stuck on that word instinct. I kept thinking back to a particular moment when I was a sophomore in high school. I was in science class. This was a field of study that I was never very good at. So I went up to the front of the room to ask the teacher a question. Now, Cheryl Polachek the young lady in the front row happened to be the best athlete, best female athlete in the school. As I was going up there to ask a question, she made some sort of smart remark at me. Being who I was, I made a smart remark right back. Friendly banter, but apparently it struck a nerve because she took the paper that was on her desk, crumpled it up, and just launched it at me as quick as she could. And we weren't more than six feet apart. It was coming fast. Now, in that time, I did not have time to have this cognitive reasoning of, let's see, there's a paper flying at my head. Raise your hand and knock it down so you don't look foolish. I didn't have time to do that. My body simply acted on instinct. Without telling it to, my arm went up, my hand opened, and I didn't knock that down. I caught the wad of paper. It just held my hand there, kind of a Kodak moment. It's some smart remark to Cheryl about how she threw and never do that again. <laughs> and her jaw just dropped. I played it off like I was something I was trying to do, but I, I could never have done that. It was instinct. I'm sure there's some sort of scientific explanation for that, but today I would view it as a demonstration of God's presence. And who gives intuition to the heart or instinct to the mind? Your translations may read something more like this. Who has put wisdom in the inward parts or given understanding to the mind? Who has put wisdom in the inward parts or given understanding to the mind? As I reflected on this translation, I tried to think through you know, what all the scientists would say, how they would counter that. My thoughts kept being drawn back to two little kids and how they react to each other. I'm, I'm sure a lot of you have seen this. You know, one kid, an infant, and the other one kind of a toddler. Maybe before they can talk much, 
can waddle around, and the infant starts to cry, and very cautiously and timidly, the, the toddler kind of wanders up to that infant and, and reaches out and touches the infant. Kind of comforting. Now, yes, that the parent of that toddler never sat down and said, now look here, you can't talk, you probably don't understand what I'm saying, but when somebody cries, you go and comfort them. That probably didn't happen. Now, nurture, nature, I think that's God putting understanding in the heart, putting understanding in the mind of a little kid. If God seems far away, look around and watch people. Watch their natural interactions with each other. And if you look hard enough, you will see God's presence. And you will be led to praise. You probably noticed that at the end of each section I've said that. You'll be led to praise. And I believe that. I believe that even at times of great darkness, we can still enter into praising God. Now, maybe there's not going to be that tremendous emotional connect. Maybe our, our worship won't draw us to tears, but we're called to worship God with so much more than our emotions. Because of who God is, we are called to praise him with all our being. Listen to what Psalm, the king said in Psalm 103. He begins, let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things that he does. That chapter ends, praise the Lord everything he has created, everything in all his kingdom, let all that I am praise the Lord. And our passage for this week began, let all that I am praise the Lord. And it finished with this, let all that I am praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I truly believe that when we respond to God's prompting to look around, even if we're in a season of darkness, when we look around, we will be led to praise. Where is God? Look around and see what happens. I want to take just a moment or two and listen to Stacia as she plays. I want to give God a chance to etch on your heart whatever he wants to say to you from this morning. I'll wrap us up in prayer and we'll sing one more song to conclude. But for now, Let's give God a chance to talk to our hearts.
God, you are a big God. So much bigger than we can even imagine. So much bigger than we can fathom. And we can sing songs about how indescribable you are and how, how you are a God of wonders. We can sing songs about how you meet us in the garden and how all things can praise you. And yet, God, we'll admit there are times that in our humanity we, we can't see you. We, we don't feel you. We can't sense you. And God, I don't know if that's on us. I don't know if that's on you. But I ask, Lord, that you would encourage us in those times, in those seasons. Encourage us to think back to today. To think back to your suggestions of looking around. God, we ask that you would give us, even if it's just moments, where we can see you. Whether it's in the night sky or in the changing leaves or, or in the laughter of a child or the hug from a neighbor or in the prayer of a seasoned saint. We ask, Lord, that you would allow us to see you in moments. Give us the courage to look. Give us the courage to point in different directions when others are struggling to see you. God, we love you. And we thank you that in all of this, you lead us to praise you with all that we are. And we do that only through the powerful name of Jesus Christ. It's his name we pray. Amen. His holy name. What a big God we serve. Amen. 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 About 15 minutes, we'll start up formation hour. This is the last uh, speaker we'll listen to on Leadership Summit series. We're listening to Bishop Matt Thomas. I encourage you guys to come. Great, great talk he gives today. We'll serve communion after that. Don't forget to be praying for the Mexico mission team. Good things in store. I'm excited to hear from them when they get back. And if October is a Pastor Appreciation Month, I'm going to declare all the other months Congregation Appreciation Months because I truly do value seeking God together. This is a journey we are on as a family of faith. So may the God who is very present in the cosmos, may the God who is very present in the earth around us, may the God who is present in each one of us, bless you and protect you. May he smile upon you and be gracious to you. May he show you his favor and give you his peace. Amen? Amen. Amen.